Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us, and just like that, the final hour is here. I'll kick 360. Putting with Row with you. Chad, got a big game tomorrow. We gave the number one rankings there. Alabama number one, Tennessee number 10, and they'll face off in Knoxville tomorrow night. And a couple of other, a handful of games tonight across the SEC. They had number one Purdue losing on Saturday at Northwestern in an upset. So Alabama jumps up to number from number three to number one. Houston stayed at number two. Surprised Tennessee didn't fall below 10. I am too. After losing uh, at Vandy into Missouri. Missouri's a tournament team. I mean, they've, they've had a really good year under Dennis Gates in year number one. Losing at home was a surprise. The surprising elements of that game were Tennessee was down 17, down two starters in the second half, and went on a run and led by six <laughs> after being down 17. Then to lose at the buzzer after a couple of missed free throws on a 30-foot runner to end the game is obviously uh, disappointing. It's a big week for Tennessee, though, because they are staring. They're going to be underdogs, I think, in the next two games. They're going to be underdog at home to Alabama, number one in the country. They're going to be an underdog at Kentucky. I think they're possibly going to be an underdog at A&M. They are staring a five-game losing streak, possibly, Mm. uh, in the eye. So this is a big week for them. They need to split, at least this week, and either upset Alabama at home or go on the road and beat Kentucky to pull themselves out of this slide. Going to be tough, though, down two starters right now, both day-to-day, but uh, two of their starting five are are injured. Now to football. Shane Beamer, uh, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, will join us in about 20 minutes. But first, we say hello to Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network analytics expert, uh, who – are you still out on vacation, Cynthia, or are you back? I am back. I don't have all my luggage. A lot of my luggage is still there, but – I am back in Southern California. All right. Uh, what did you make? What's the biggest number that stood out to you from the analytics of Super Bowl 57? Well, I think that the first half was really interesting because, I mean, it, it sounds stupid to be like 26 and two, but ultimately teams who've been up in Super Bowls by 10 points or more were just 26 and two in terms of winning. So you did, were 26 and one and now 26 and two with the Eagles losing. That was interesting, but it was really cool to see the limiting of possessions, right? So the Eagles really held on to the ball and made a lot of work for the Chiefs, which obviously the Chiefs were able to overcome. But it, w- it was an interesting start to the game for sure. And that was a that was an epic Super Bowl. It for was. Sure. Yes. Well, you mentioned, you know, the time of possession. And I'm, I'm curious, just macro here, what are your thoughts on time of possession as a stat for NFL success? I think it's a bigger deal in the NFL than, let's say, college, where you have for these sure. teams playing at a rapid rate and it doesn't matter as much. But – how valuable do you think that is game to game? It's usually quite valuable. I mean, look, there are some things that are different. Like when you're Patrick Mahomes and you can score in 13 seconds or less, then it's a little bit misleading, right? Time of possession is going to be difficult. However, for most teams in most cases, 
it's funny to see, like we think about the league, there's a lot of passing in the league now. So that would limit the time of possession. So if you can hold on to the ball and control the clock, it has become a bigger and bigger value over the past, let's call it eight seasons when teams have gone even further away from the from the run than before. The Titans, of course, you know, there's an asterisk there because Derrick Henry can ruin your life with that time of possession. But for the most part, for the most part, it's 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 pretty valid for a more average team. As you saw the news, it was expected that Derek Carr is going to be a free agent. Did a, a team or a coordinator or a system immediately pop up to you as a great fit? You know, I think it's funny. There's like a lot of, um, you know, a lot of fanfare around this one, in part because of the dramatic ending. We don't usually see something like that where the quarterback walks away. Like, it's just a very dramatic moment. But I I would imagine that most teams and also Derek himself are going to take their time because there are a number of pretty good quarterbacks who should be available in free agency. Plus, I don't think anyone wants to make a move until that guy who wears a lot of green decides what he's going to do because maybe he could go wear more green or maybe he could go somewhere else. But I think that will be a big key to how things sort of unfold as well. Were you on an isolation retreat for vacation? Is that what you decided to do like Aaron Rodgers, or have you never tried that before? I've never done it. It sounds kind of awesome, actually, like as I'm sitting in a house full of like mayhem and my dogs, like whatever. Like It doesn't sound like a terrible idea. I mean, I don't think I could do it, but it it doesn't sound like the worst idea I've ever heard. There are, uh, there are certainly, there are, I, I kind of give him a lot of credit for like telling us that, that he's doing that because I think a lot of people who would do it probably just won't tell there if there's a retreat for it there has to be more than one person doing it right so maybe people just don't talk about it I, I don't know everything sounds great except for the darkness part of it because that's just solitary confinement in prison to me when you put it that way but if it's just hey no devices no clutter you're going to be isolated in a nice little space for a while to, to clear your mind I'm with you that that sounds okay the darkness part of it doesn't really get me that thrilled I guess maybe I'm just envisioning myself like on a beach alone with just some drinks by myself and like no <laughs> one talking to me and no Twitter or Instagram or any of that other crap. Like I'm just sitting there. Maybe, that would be kind of awesome to be honest with you. That's what, <laughs> I need to do. I that. would sign up Don't for that. Yeah, you're, Don't you're, talk to me. you're selling your version of it better than his version of the isolation <laughs> retreat. That's for sure. That's what Brady's doing, not Roger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm with Brady's. I, I'm taking the Brady path. No doubt. Cynthia Freeland, our guest on Outkick 360. Uh, new hires today, Jonathan Gannon taking over one of the worst uh, defenses uh, in points per game allowed uh, in Arizona. Meanwhile, you've got an Indy, kind of a same situation, no quarterback for new head coach Shane Steichen. Uphill climbs for both coordinators for Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I, I was a little – I wasn't surprised because we were hearing rumblings, you know, Super Bowl week it, that it, that – it was pretty much all but done, right? You're kind of hearing all that stuff. And of course you wait until to see how it happens, but you know, those are really hard jobs. Like Kyler's not going to be ready at the beginning of the season. So not only do you have like a really challenging defense and JJ Watt retiring and all of those things and a, a notoriously more um, not as generous team, right? Let's put it For that sure. way. Yes. That, that, that's a, that's a, t that's a difficult task. Whereas some of these other jobs, like I actually feel completely different about the Texans just in general. You know, I, I love the hire and how they like, they, it just feels like hope 
And I, I feel like, I mean, Jonathan Gannon, he was like 37 years old. I feel like he's going to be one of those guys who are like, he's 37 when he started. And now he's got this gray beard and all this crap because it, it just, that's a, that's a, that's a big mountain to climb, big mountain to climb with, especially with Kyler not being healthy to begin the season. How crazy is it that Sean McVay is still the youngest head coach in the NFL today? That's First of all, it's wild because, you know, when you talk to him and his pressers and stuff, it's like, he's like an old soul. Like he was probably one of those kids who was like, you know, like a freshman in college and being like, Hey, so, you know, we're going to go to the, down to the quad, buy our books and like, you know, he, was, he just feels like he's been like an old man forever. And and I say that in the, with love and like, no I, I think that's a great thing, right? Like, it's funny that he's technically the youngest, but when you talk to him, it's like, this guy's like, you know, 65, like he's got an AARP card soon, you know, like what's going on here. One of the biggest assistant <laughs> hires, there he is. One of the biggest assistant hires, Cynthia, uh, according to your opinion, and we value it, Steve Wilkes in San Francisco. Love. Why does it make so much sense there? Because he's a, the way that I think about this is Steve Wilkes is the adult in the room. Like, you're not going to follow D'Amico Ryans with another former player with that much charisma. And by the way, they keep losing their D coordinator. Like, Robert yeah. Sala had a totally different personality than D'Amico Ryans. And Steve Wilkes, he has another personality, but you see what happened with Carolina after he took over. Those players loved him. They loved playing for him. So did the people in, in Arizona when he was the head coach there for a hot minute. But ultimately, the, the players love him. He's got that calm energy. He's a really good man. Like, you know, he's one of those people who if you had a son and he was like, I'm going to go play for Steve Wilkes, you're like, oh, all of the yes, everything there. And he makes things very simple for the players. They understand and they just really love playing for him. They like I've never met a person that said anything other than I really he's the best. Coach Wilkes is the best. So Cynthia, before we ask you a couple of questions about your your first mock draft that's out there, can you walk us through the process a little bit of what your model is is telling us when it it puts out this mock draft? So first and foremost, this is before free agency. So it'll change significantly through the draft process. And also I'm doing something a little different with quarterbacks this year, just because with COVID and all the things that have changed from college, I have to adapt how we're thinking about things going forward as well. But ultimately what it does is it takes a, a focus of who wins in this season. So let's just say there's five good free agent quarterbacks out there. Let's just make a number up. Right. And so the first, like if, if you get a better return on investment, if you went, defensive end like I did for the Texans as a and and took the presumption that one of those because they've got enough money in their bank the presumption that they're going to get one of those veteran quarterbacks well that's the type of thing that would net more wins in 2023 so it's really focused on a one year return on investment not a kind of full slate of you know the, let it's not a full franchise you know change around let like I'm giving you three year runway to earn wins it's a it's this year who wins the most with this one particular player in in the first round. And that's how this model leads to the Colts taking the first quarterback off the board at number four, which I think would surprise most people if that happened. But you have the Colts taking Bryce Young at number four because of that value proposition, right? Totally. Also, just another note. I'm not allowed to propose trades because my editor doesn't want a headache of because I would trade everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> I would have like 18 or 19 trades, but, but, uh, you know, long story short, we're not allowed to do trades either. So it's, 
as you were start there and look, it's a good baseline exercise to create differences and show how the whole thing adapts and flows through the entire season. So that's, that's why. And also my model doesn't necessarily think Bryce Young is the best quarterback, but this is a better O-line than some, and it is a better situation. I'm worried about his height a bit and, and, you know, he's out of range for me in, in terms of height. So it's going to be interesting to see, I'm going to map all of those different throws at the combine to see the velocities of them and the trajectories, because that's a really big and interesting difference. Like you see with a Kyler Murray, who's also not super tall. That's a, that's a very different thing than when the sidearm angle guys like a Patrick Mahomes or even a Joe Burrow, that it's just a totally different, like the math looks very different on them. So you have to have a pretty decent O-line for that to, for that to net out. Who does your model have currently uh, at number one? And how much can it change in the course of the next couple of months versus what you've seen happen over the last couple of seasons going into the draft? So usually it's number one, but this year it's like a lot of contingencies, meaning like the guy, like CJ Stroud, like he's a pretty accurate guy. Like Like it's like, do you want wins or do you want upside? right? Like, what are you looking for in each one? So ultimately, like Bryce Young could be number one if they get an O-line that's good enough. But if you're talking about a guy with not so great of an O-line, which often people are drafting the first round, they don't have great O-lines. It's just those two things go hand in glove. But maybe you want someone that's a little bit more traditional, but can do those kind of accurate, shorter passes, things more like Mac Jones profiled before he was coming out of college, right? Like it's just, it's not, there's not one guy that is clearly heads and shoulders above everyone else. What do you think about Will Levis? Because we've been very opinionated on this. No risk it, no biscuit. I, I think that people, and I also think that it's gone, it swung a bit too far. Meaning I think in the beginning, people were like, oh, it's just some turnovers. And then it went too far. It's like, oh, this guy can't not throw turnovers. Like, I think it's somewhere in between, right? And I do think that, oh, look at that tat. Um, I do think that <laughs> it, will, <laughs> it will ultimately matter very, very much where he goes. Like, remember Dak Prescott, when he was coming out, People did not know what to make of him. Hence, he wasn't even in the first round, right? And part of that was because it looked so different from college to the NFL. But one of the reasons why he had such success was they started throwing shorter, higher probability passes. They didn't ask him to do anything outside the numbers for quite some time. And that's the type of thing, if he can get in a system like that, with a guy who can explain it to him because the defenses in the NFL look significantly different than the defenses in college and the pressures are different and the, the run protections and the pass protections totally different. So the reality is, is he's going to be able to need to have someone to, to teach him how to do these things and let it go more in the, in a, in a higher probability way than just getting out there and sling it. He doesn't have that same, like, you know, day one starter can throw all the, all the passes with, you know, and you feel pretty good about it. He didn't have that profile. Again, it could change throughout the process, but that's where the profile stands right now. But the upside is absolutely there. And I'm really excited to see at the combine, I can measure miles per hour of how hard a guy throws. And I I'm really excited to see how hard he throws because I think he's going to have one of those like upper tier, maybe not like Josh Allen who threw over 60 miles an hour, which is totally bonkers. But in those upper 50 ranges, those guys are that that's a that's a heck of an arm. How many miles per hour do you think Anthony Richardson is going to throw at the combine? And I know you've got him at 29 to the Saints. This would obviously change if the Saints acquired Derek Carr. But your thoughts on Anthony Richardson as a possible late first rounder? I'll be honest. I, I like him. Plus, you have to remember 
it is very smart for teams who are quarterback needy to get the guy in the late first round. Because remember the way that the contracts work that first round, you get an extra rookie year deal. And I know the cap just went up significantly, but so will the prices, right? Like it, it all kind of evens out in the end. So I think it's smart to trade up if, like once you get towards that back end, 25 to 32, those guys, you sh- if you need a quarterback and you're thinking about taking the second round, take a flyer and pull them up to the first round so you get that extra year. But I like Richardson's profile. I think it's it's an interesting, it's all very interesting. Like these guys are not profiling as, I think, co- like I said, COVID, the, the COVID years had something to do with it. Playing with older players. You have to remember like a lot of the guys coming out this year and a lot of the guys they played with mm-hmm. are slightly older than normal because they had that weird COVID year or those weird COVID years or however long we want to say it lasted or whatever. So it's, it's very interesting to see kind of the differences now and they ran different things. Perhaps it was because they didn't have enough time to, you know, the, the way practices were like, scheduled were different, et cetera. So I, I, I think he, to me, could, he could be like, right now, I think he has like the second highest, Levis has the highest ceiling, like Richardson has like the second highest ceiling for me. So I I like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm nuts, but I really like his upside. Cynthia Freeland, our guest, and I think the lack of quarterbacks in the first round last year plays into my mentality of, oh, look at all these QBs in the first round this year. It's going to be awesome. Which fan base have you heard from the most based on your first mock draft? Uh, Well, okay, look, so, you know, a lot of people, I guess I heard probably the most, I mean, the Vikings, they're like happy with me for once. And they Vikings <laughs> think I hate them for whatever reason. Like I don't hate them. Like, but they're like, Oh, she finally isn't giving us a crappy one. Like it's wild. <laughs> this, but I think people, people were like, if this is, if there's no, if you're going to have, you know, no trades for blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, guys read the top of the thing. So I don't know. I, I kind of hear from all of them. Like pretty, sometimes you're like, oh, okay. Like, and a lot of Texans fans are like, what? No quarterback. I'm like, trust me, you'd be better off, especially with your coach. Look at, look at the jets. Wouldn't you love to be in the same spot the jets are in right now? Like sure. They didn't get Zach Wilson. Right. But they had the two rookies of the year. Yeah. Like they're doing pretty well. And they're, you know, they were really in it till late in the season. So, you know, remember, it's not built in one day. You got to brick by brick, put it there. I love all the football adages. We get to brick by brick. That's what we started now because we passed the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> well, it's. It, I, I'm sure that most of your responses to the haters of your list could just simply be, read the first two, three paragraphs of the story. That's it. You can, can you say it. that to everyone. I'm just clicking. read the whole story hey, and then you'll see. I'm guilty of this, though. I'm clicking and I'm scrolling to whatever team I'm interested in, right? Like, I think that's what yep. a lot of people will do. And then uh, uh, apparently the Vikings just hate Cynthia Freeland and uh, the draft picks. They do. No, they think I hate them. Yeah, okay. I got you. The fans. Well, but your list is so different. Like, I would do the same thing. Yeah. But then I would see how yeah. different it is from everyone else's that it makes me scroll up to see your model and how you did it because, like, oh, this – the Colts will be the first right. one to select a QB at four. That's odd. And then I go up and see why that is based on how yeah. you model it out. That's what everyone reading should do. But, you know, who am I to we, tell people? We enjoy like original though. thought, right? Yeah. It's sometimes these things can become like consensus. Like, like it's not a democracy who people choose, you know, like it's always like, it's not a, like, it's not like, Oh, you know what? I'm Bill Belichick. Who did, how many people chose the, okay, I'm going to, ch- you know, like, it's, that's not yeah. how that works, right? The Cole Strange, right? But at, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's original thought. And I actually really love seeing how it evolves throughout the draft process, because as we learn more and more about these players, 
we get a chance to see like I'm, and by the way, I'm far more interested, just personally interested in like guys in the, like the third, third and fourth round, like maybe late second to end of fourth, because those are the guys who are the meat and potatoes of your team. And that's the ones who I think like, if you get those right, then you have a good freaking team. Check out Cynthia's mock draft 1.0. We're retweeting it right now at Outkick360. Cynthia, thanks as always. And we will catch up before April's draft for sure. Appreciate you. Let's go. It's on to draft season. Here Super Bowl's over behind us. Let's go. Yeah, the, time. the off season. There is no off season. It That's begins right. now. It's time for the isolation retreat. That's Thank what you. It is. Good Thanks, to see you. Cynthia. Yeah. Uh, from Cynthia Freeland to an SEC coach that's also in a great mood, Chad. Shane Beamer. What is there anything for him to complain about right now? Maybe we can ask him that when we come back. That's a good a good first question. Is there anything for him to what's complain wrong? about? What's on this Valentine's Day? Massive what, what's raise. Wrong? Yeah, what's wrong? What, what's wrong with you or your program? Coach right is now? next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. This time of year for coaches, post-Super Bowl, everyone's in a great mood. All the coaches at the NFL Combine in a couple of weeks. They'll be in a great mood. Um, I don't know if there's a coach in America that can be in a better mood than Shane Beamer, quite frankly, who joins us on Outkick 360. Uh, coaches, is there anything to complain about right now um, from where you sit? You get the great season, outstanding finish, tons of momentum where you build on last, last year into this past season, and you get the big raise as well. Congrats on all the success there. No, I appreciate it. Very blessed and, and very grateful. And we've accomplished a lot uh, in a short period of time, but still have a lot to, to do and a lot of work to get done as well. And we're hard at it right now. And and uh, I'm, I've always been a, kind of a glasses half full kind of guy. So even if I did have something to complain about. I'm <laughs> and, and with that personality and that, that mindset, how giddy do you get when someone talks trash about you? Uh, when a coach at Kentucky talks about silly photos and dances or there's any bit of bulletin board material, you seem like the type of personality that thrives on those types of things and doesn't get upset with it. You, you love it because you know you can yeah, use it with yeah. your guys. No, it's part of it, and that's coaching in the SEC and, and at a high level for sure. And, and certainly, you know, you're always looking for ways to find the way to motivate your players and, and have them play with maybe a little bit more of an edge. And, and uh, you know, I pay attention to things and don't worry about things that I can't control and, and uh, don't, you know, don't 
want to clutter my mind with different stuff, but certainly I've been known to, I don't know, keep receipts, I think is the term as well, when people say things and and uh, you're always looking, it's, you know, I'm going to have fun in what I'm doing. And you're always looking for ways to kind of find an edge to with uh, whether it be yourself, motivating yourself or with your team too. Do you think it's important for coaches, especially in college, to at least know the temperature of what's being said about them from a media perspective? Since your job is not to draft, it's to recruit. So you almost, it, it's a positive to know what shows are saying about you or what the media thinks of your program. Yeah, I think I'd be lying if I said that it that it didn't matter. You know, I think the days of saying I don't pay attention to any of that and I don't listen to any of that, uh, I don't think that's necessarily real reality right now. And I don't mean that to say that it it affects me in the way that I do my job because it doesn't. I don't allow an outside opinion that doesn't matter to affect how I do things. But I'm also aware that uh, we only have our players for four hours a day uh, legally in our football facility. So there's 20 hours during the day that they're not around us. And when they aren't, they're they're on their phones and they're listening to the radio and, and they're hearing from friends and family and things like that. So I think you certainly, not, not so much maybe what's being said about me, but I think you need as a coach, in my opinion, to just have a general idea of what the temperature is outside this building as well. I mean, you know, I've said it in press conferences about, you know, the outside noise and things like that. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm insulated here uh, during the season. I, I come in early. I work. I go home late. I see my family. And that's really about it. And don't listen to much else that's out there. But certainly I do think it helps to be aware because your players are, are certainly hearing that. South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer, our guest on Outkick 360. What did the back-to-back wins over Tennessee and Clemson mean for the program, mean for momentum, mean for the Garnet Trust? All of that combined as you go into this offseason. Yeah, no, it's a lot. Just, um, you know, to solidify, it's another example of the things that we're doing here in this program and to solidify the track that we're on in people's minds. And, and we've made a lot of progress since, uh, you know, since we took over to start the 2021 season or go, after the 2020 season, we've made a lot of progress. But, you know, to win those games, to beat Tennessee, uh, who was a fantastic team last season, but to do it on national television in an amazing environment at home where the whole country saw it, but then everybody's kind of looking at you and saying, well, I don't know if they can do it again. And not only did we do it again, we went on the road and did it. And we went down 14 nothing to our arch rival that we hadn't beaten in a while uh, and, and did it again. So just from a perception standpoint, the energy with our fan base, uh, the energy in our program right now, period. And then just the perception nationally with with uh, fans and, and recruits, it certainly uh uh, if their eyes weren't already open, they, they were now. And there's a lot of people that are interested in South Carolina football. And it's a culmination of the things that we've done since we got hired. But a lot of that is is based on the way we played in the last two regular season games also. I don't think a quarterback could play better than Spencer Rattler did in that Tennessee game. And that that's not just him, who's a great talent, but any quarterback. It was almost the perfect game from him and really showed the, the possibility of the ceiling for him but that wasn't always the case a year ago in terms of his play throughout the year. Coach, how do you get him closer to that? Maybe not that every week, but closer to that ceiling consistently as you've got Spencer Rattler coming back next season. Yeah, you know, we saw uh, he's a fantastic person, first and foremost, and he's and so happy that he's back. He's a great leader for us. Uh, and, and a lot of the things that 
uh, he we he showed in that Tennessee game. We had seen him practice throughout the year, but and he made some great plays and games throughout the season. But just he'll be the first to tell you, it just wasn't as consistent enough with it. And and he really took off uh, in that Tennessee game and followed it up against uh, against Clemson as well the next week. And I think the thing for Spencer is he went out there that night and just played very free and very confidently and very loose. And he also he gave his receivers opportunities to make plays and, and we told him going into that game with the way that Tennessee played defense our receivers were going to have a lot of man-to-man one-on-one opportunities and and even if they were covered to throw that ball up and give them an opportunity give our guys an opportunity to go make plays and, and they did that night and, and then he played some made some fantastic throws as well that very few quarterbacks in the world um, can make so I was excited for that and, and now for us as coaches it's going back and looking at okay why did he Play those way, play that way in those last two games. Uh, maybe what did we not do good enough, a good enough job of helping him leading into those games? What did we do to help him in those games? And then with a new offensive coordinator being here, uh, you know, kind of marrying what he's, what he does along with what Spencer feels comfortable with, and then just continuing to uh, get better. And uh, that's what Spencer did at the end of the season, and, and that's what I've seen him do since the end of our season as well, going into 2023. South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer, our guest on Outkick 360. Coach, you've always been known as a great recruiter throughout your career, even as an assistant coach. But when you look back on when you started out in college coaching, when you got a guy, you got him. When you got him signed, there wasn't as much re-recruitment every season or every day that went on. How much would Transfer Portal, NIL, everything else – has that added to your plate in terms of not just recruiting high school players, but recruiting guys on your own team every single year to make sure that they're happy, they want to be there, and they want to stay? Has that increased the workload a lot? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, the workload is certainly different because there are so many different dynamics that you're dealing with that we that no coach has ever had to prior to this. You know, my dad, when he was coaching, never – never dealt with name image and likeness and the transfer portal and and there's a lot of positives to it i don't mean it in a negative way but it's definitely different and it presents uh more challenges without a doubt i mean the month of december is just chaos with signing day transfer portal your own roster bringing guys in getting ready for a bowl game i mean it's just so much going on in december after a season but you know for us it's not so much you know, trying to quote unquote re-recruit the roster. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna be me. Our staff is gonna be ourselves. We don't worry about well, we gotta you know be nice to this guy and not coach him as hard because we're worried about him leaving if we upset him. I mean, we, we haven't changed the way that we coached or or how we do things. We're gonna you know love these guys up and, and care about them and be honest with them. Uh, talking about our players in our program and and then coach them really hard. Be demanding. Be accountable. Or hold them accountable and uh you know hopefully that's a place that guys want to be a part of and then if they don't and there's a better opportunity for them elsewhere then you know we'll, we'll help them help them find a, a different home if this isn't the spot for them but you know we we certainly lost some guys to the transfer portal like a lot of schools did but ours were very 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 minimal and um you know we've got to do a great job of developing our roster and then again just treating our guys right and making this be a place that they want to be a part of Coach, do you recall the first time that you saw film or tape of the five-star defensive end, athlete, wide receiver, tight end hybrid, Nick Harbour? And what would you think? Yeah, he's got a lot of positions. Yeah. Um, I do. I literally was just telling uh, somebody at my kid's school uh, earlier today that story. And 
I, I was coaching at Oklahoma actually, and we were, uh, I was in Washington DC recruiting and, and we had an offensive, they had an offensive lineman at that school that we were recruiting at Oklahoma by the name of Anton Harrison that ended up playing left tackle for Oklahoma and is getting ready for the NFL draft now. And I was there recruiting him. And I remember uh, coach Harris, the head coach at Nick's high school, Archbishop Carroll. And, and he showed me this video. He said, I got to show you, I've got this freshman that's going to be an unbelievable football player. And it was him running a race on the track. And it's the first time I've ever seen a football player where the first video that the coach shows me is the guy running a race. And I remember watching the video and saying, this guy plays football, asking that question because I was just blown. My mind was blown watching him, how fast he was. And then, um, he brought him by and he showed me that's who that that's him right there and then you saw the height and just the, mm -hmm. the athleticism uh at first glance so yeah that was the first time i ever saw a video of him that's the first time i saw him in person and he's a heck of a talent and, and a and a heck of a player and, and a great great young man that comes from a great family too i feel like that happens more often than most would know where there's it's video or you see a guy in another sport where it really jumps out how special they are as an athlete we hear from a lot of coaches, I saw their high school basketball tape or I saw them hit a, a, a home run, the furthest I've ever seen in a high school game. Do you see that a lot with guys when you see them play another sport and that's where it really settles in that, man, this guy's special? Yeah, it does because I think you see the athleticism. And, and I love recruiting guys that play different sports and we're able to watch guys run track or or play baseball or whatever. We actually we have an offensive tackle on our team here, Ryan Brubaker. From Pennsylvania that the first time I ever saw any video of Ryan Brubaker he was in a swim meet and he was a he was a competitive swimmer as a high school offensive lineman and that's pretty impressive and you're sitting there as a as a coaching staff and you're watching this tape and it's a race where he's behind and he comes back at the end and wins and we're all sitting there cheering like we know the guy and we're invested in him but you're able to see that okay this guy's an offensive lineman but he's also a competitive swimmer that's pretty impressive. So yeah, the more uh, the more that you can see, not just the football, but just the overall athleticism, com competitive spirit uh, that you're able to see from different sports, I think it's really beneficial and something that I love. How do you uh, do when you see Alabama and Georgia year after year after year pull off these recruiting classes? Um, is it how motivating is it versus celebrating what you're building currently versus where you want to be? Yeah, I mean, it's just something that you're striving for. And, and if you don't want to compete against the best and coach against the best and play against the best, then I'm in the wrong conference. You know, this is the best conference in America. And, and there's a reason that schools like Texas and Oklahoma are trying to come to the SEC. It's because this is where the best of the best are in college athletics. And, and I love that. I mean, as a competitor, you say, OK, you're feeling pretty good about things right here. But all you have to see is the team that's two hours and 45 minutes away and is in our in our division just won the national championship and and Alabama and all their success and LSU recently and on and on and on so that motivates me that, that certainly there's no uh there's no complacency around here I mean you can't and 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 our guys myself you're, you're we're hungry we're not just satisfied with eight wins and, and we know where we have to where we have to, to get to as well to be where we want to be. And that's, you know, getting to their level where we can eventually and hopefully beat them. And, you know, we did that. Um, we, we, you know, I was at Georgia Kirby's first season back in 2016. And, and I saw the progress we made from 2016 to then in 2017, winning the SEC and playing for the national championship. So I know the work that went into to that program to make that next step. And now we've got to 
try and do the same thing here at Carolina as well. And we have all the resources here to do that. Coach Shane Beamer, our guest. Uh, Chad and I agreed the last time you joined us, your backdrop, your setup in your office is legit. Um, you have so much memorabilia and uh, helmets, footballs, photos. What did you remove to put up either the Tennessee or the Clemson victory, the game balls? Because you had to put something off the shelf. What did, what was replaced? That's a good question. Um, I think uh, I'm probably looking at it on my screen right now. I think I just moved the game balls around, to be honest with you. I've got one, one around the corner from me. Uh, and then at my house here in Columbia, I've got a couple that I, that I took home as well. So I think I just replaced an old one, put a new one up there and replaced the old one, I think is what I did. <laughs> did you, so you just put the most recent game ball behind you as it goes, or this was a, this was a special movement at the end of the season? I think it was a special movement. I'm trying to get it, you know, the game balls, the most recent game balls. So I've got, you know, a couple Oklahoma ones here over my right shoulder and some different places as well. But certainly if there's a a, a, a recent game ball, uh, my equipment guy was getting on me a couple of weeks ago because I got in the habit of giving out like too many game balls <laughs> after big wins and like saying everybody gets a game ball. Well, when you say everybody, that's a lot of people in this football program as well. Uh also, so I've got to be smart about that. But yeah, I guess what I what I did was the most recent ones, put them up there, and certainly it's good uh, good conversation pieces when when people are in here. Also, no doubt. Hey, coach, thank you for the time, man. Always great to catch up with you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon, a little bit after spring ball or something. Yeah, I would love that. Appreciate you guys for having me on, and keep up the awesome work. Yeah, yeah congrats on everything. Yeah, Thanks. congratulations. Shane thank Beamer you. has been our guest, uh, two for two in those chats with him. Really cool. And he does. For those listening on the on radio, he's got an amazing setup in his office. I think he does a, as good or better of a job of understanding uh, media mm-hmm. and what's being said than than anyone. And and I, I like how he doesn't hide the fact that he's in it. You know, he's watching it. Right, he, right. If if Mark Stoops says something about him and his school posting a video of him at an Arby's doing something or dancing like he's going to store as he said I, I keep receipts he's going to store that away and use it at the right time but I think that goes for everything that happens in media or social media with him some may say it's a waste of time I think it's worked for him probably doesn't work for every coach yeah. out there but whatever he's doing so far uh, has worked at South Carolina yeah, it's good when you're comfortable yeah. you know it's easy to manage when you're comfortable and look I mean it He's in the conference where it's nothing's comfortable. The best coaches are not comfortable, but I think he has a great read on that. The, the next step, I think, is, okay, Kentucky had some success, and then came expectations. They're picked second in the East, and we didn't see that same Kentucky team, even though Will Levis was coming back. Now Spencer Rattler's coming back, and there will be expectations with his program. Maybe it's not number two in the East. Maybe that's Tennessee, but number three in the East for South Carolina, ahead of Florida, ahead of Kentucky, I mean, that's exactly where Beamer needs to be. And he's got them and there. Now they need to actually act I, on it. I think on the high end, there is a lot of chatter that they could be Tennessee of this year, next year. Yeah. The big surprise that is a top team and throughout the year, that could be them. And they can point to the head-to-head. as why that can be a, a true statement. Coming up, <laughs> what would you do if you found this in your house? We'll give the details of that next on OutKick360.
I'll kick 360 rolls on 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow with you, wrapping up what's been a fun show. Our thanks to John McClain, Cynthia Freeland, Coach Shane Beamer for joining us. If you missed portions of the show, uh, you can always go download the podcast wherever you download your audio. Just search at Outkick 360. And, of course, we're at Outkick.com. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, Chad. We're everywhere, Hutton. We're, wherever you are, we are. That's really, it's that simple. But just search. I mean, just get on your... Um, Whatever your device is right now, just right. search Outkick 360 and it'll pop up in every possible avenue. So we are big fans of Joe Kinsey's uh, screen caps. Yep. And leads us to what you can subscribe to now and sign up for with the newsletter on, uh, email blast that you'll get every weekday at around 4 p.m., give or take a few minutes there. Outkick's Nightcaps, which is has been a lot of fun over the last week or so uh, getting these. And uh, our great writers and staff at Outkick supply you with the same theme and the same um, the same ideas, right, that you can find across social media and at Outkick on a daily basis and content you'll get from all the shows. You get the highlights in your inbox. Just search out Nightcaps right now and you'll see it on the front page at Outkick.com. Chad, uh, content like this, uh, what would you do if you found this in your home? Uh, giant snakes falling from a roof and trying to literally tear out the ceiling in order to get the snakes out of your home. Don't you just quit throwing the towel and I mean, look oh at this three gosh. giant snakes fall through the ceiling. Uh, I have to burn that to the ground, man. Yeah, There's no salvaging I, I, this home. No, I, I'd sell it uh, for sure. Or try to, but also, uh, I mean, there's no way that I'd be trying to mess with that on my own. I'd be calling a professional to come in. I, I wouldn't want to see any more. If I saw one snake, peeking out of my ceiling or anywhere in the house. I'm calling someone over to remove it. And if there's three other gigantic snakes in that house, well, they're really not coming There were back. workers that came out there to do this. And everyone just gasps uh, as they fall through the ceiling there. Yeah. How not, did they get up in the ceiling? Not good. I don't want to know. Because I, if I know, then I think about it happening at my house too. And that's not what I want to see. Uh, Amber Harding wrote the latest uh, Nightcaps, by the way, a Valentine's Day edition with some some good advice for you as well. My advice would be to anyone that had this happen in their home is to get out of there. This has been... Uh, At least go on an isolation retreat somewhere for a few days and then come back. And maybe you'll see a vision of what you should do next with your home. This is uploaded today, and it's been viewed 10 million times. Mm. Everyone's having nightmares now. Don't let your kids watch this. No. How would that go tonight? Uh, not good. <laughs> not good. I've got... Um, <laughs> I've got a three-year-old with an ear infection. Went to the doctor today. Was up most of the night last night. And normally she'll, will watch. Here's the latest movie mm -hmm. they watched: Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. And uh, in this, it's like a CGI crocodile that sings yeah. show tunes. Yes. Not exactly my type of film, but she's afraid of the crocodile now. So everywhere we go, she's afraid there's a crocodile in her room. And I have to go in first and open the closet. And Is it show because there's a crocodile no, or because it's actually a mean looking? I, I can't even tell. Like the, like the rabbit on the commercial. I don't think she's really afraid. I oh, think she's just stalling. She's claiming she's, a, she's afraid so she can go sleep somewhere else Smart. or watch more TV or stay up longer. Smart. And I'm thinking, okay, here's the, I'll show you. There's, I'm just scared. I'm like, all right, here's your closet. Here's under the bed. There's no crocodiles. Now get in bed. And then there's another. Well, now I'm hungry. Now get in bed. Go now, to sleep. Now I need a third snack. You know, it's one. It's the. It's really stepping one excuse on after the the other. 
Is there anyone in the in the studio who actually enjoys snakes or reptiles in general? I don't know how one enjoys snakes. And if you do... Oh, there are people who... I don't know that I, I trust that person. Well, there are plenty of people at zoos that enjoy snakes. I mean, I just... Again, if you like workers, snakes, I mean, that to me is like devilish. Well, uh, it but, is. You know, I just—it's very much like: Are you with the occult? Uh, what what else is going on in your life that you may need help with? Ab and Eve would agree with you on that. Yes. Yeah. Look, snakes were designed as an animal that you should fear and that you should avoid. It's not something that you should—you know—I want a pet snake or I want to be surrounded by snakes. If you don't. If you aren't a little bit worried when a snake's around, you, Man, you're the problem. Look, uh, growing up on a farm, the only good snake is a dead snake. That's just how it goes. That's just the rule. It's like a snapping turtle in the pond. Got to get rid of them. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to come near them. Uh, I, I have no desire um, ever to encounter a snake. I've encountered many in my life, and uh, I just there was one time in my old condo when I was starting out opened the door and there was a snake just coiled up right in front of the welcome mat and I just shut the door and said nope nope not gonna go back out there just saw that I'm gonna go out my back door and I'm gonna pray when I get home that it is gone and I'm probably not gonna come to the front door not, until I see it gone for at match, least two or three days let it burn I'm not gonna do anything about it I'm just gonna go out the back door now and that snake has that space forever I will continue to go through the back door for the rest of the time I live here if I have to if it doesn't move not gonna touch it Coming up on uh, tomorrow's show, Bobby Carpenter will join us and Clay Travis, who's back with us from Phoenix and Glendale. He's returned. Plenty to discuss off the Super Bowl in the world of sports. Hope you'll join us. And again, in the meantime, you can check out everything online, outkick.com. Big thanks to Sixth and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine for making it happen. For Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Back tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern is where you can find us weekdays across the Outkick Network for Outkick 360.